The following podcast is brought to you by the Jollers Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjollers.com. Google, why is Gregory Iron ghosting me? Better known by his ring name, Gregory Iron, is an American professional wrestler who performs regularly in Pro Wrestling Ohio, AAW, Chikara, Smash, and Alpha One Wrestling Promotions. After being a guest on Steve Austin's podcast, Iron decided to start his own podcast, Iron on Wrestling. Blah, 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 blah. None of this is any help to me whatsoever. Might as well just start the show. Can can uh, I say one more thing? Of course you can. Okay. I got to plug 1millionblocks.com. Guys, we are trying to get 1 million uh, Danish death bricks, L3GO blocks, (laughs) and... uh, we're going to put on the craziest, biggest, dumbest wrestling match in history, and you can be part of history. Either send us your blocks, and we'll sanitize them and bleach them before they're used, or you can go on uh, 1millionblocks.com, and there's links to our wish list, and you can actually buy some blocks. There's a company called Lucky Doug, which makes really cheap blocks, and uh, we've been getting a bunch of those. I think they should be our sponsor. I think it should be the Lucky Doug deathmatch, but I digress. Go to 1millionblocks.com. Support this shit. Um, you're going to be part of this match. Like you are part of this fucking match. You send us blocks. I'm putting your name on them. They're going to be in the match. So basically somebody falls on that shit. They get hurt. You hurt them. It's your fault. Come on. Have fun with us. One million blocks.com. From pillar to post and coast to coast. This is a one man gang. You're listening to a book. Do you watch wrestling? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to fight! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matthew Terry, and this is the It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button. I appreciate every single click that that play button gets. Uh, before we go too far, before I get uh, get too uh, too much into this, before I hit any kind of groove, uh, I do want to address uh, a few things from this past Sunday's AEW pay-per-view revolution. Uh, usually when I record these things, uh, these little monologues are kind of reactionary to, uh, to what's uh, trending, to what's big on the internet, to uh, to the big news, and uh, the the big three news pieces, I guess, coming out of the the pay per view, which I didn't watch. Uh, I was I was very tempted. I was very very tempted to watch this one uh, because I really wanted to be there to see uh, the arrival of the Hall of Fame caliber talent that uh, that was going to show up. Uh, but I did ultimately decide not to watch it. But I really did follow it on uh, on the recaps. Um, number one. All Ego Ethan Page is now in All Elite Wrestling. Um, some people know, but now I'm reaching like this much bigger audience now that I'm on these networks. Uh, about a year and a half ago, this is the, the Reader's Digest kind of version. Uh, about a year and a half ago, All in Ego Ethan Page and myself had a bit of a fallout. Uh, I hope someday to sit down with uh, with Ethan and uh, and get that all ironed out and uh, get that all fixed because I, I think it's... I, I think it's born out of stupidity, frankly. I really do. 
But um, d- despite whatever issue I have with Ethan Page, you can you can search my Twitter history. You can search my Facebook history. You can ask anyone uh, that can associate Ethan Page and myself. I have done nothing but uh, but just praise this man. This man is so talented inside the ring, outside the ring, uh, from the neck up as far as wrestling goes. Uh, you know, there's there's very few better. And when he joined Impact Wrestling, not a surprise that Impact stock just started to rise. I know Ethan maybe didn't get a lot of credit for that, but he he de- he deserves it. He deserves it. Um, you know, working with Ethan, I could see his fingerprints on a lot of those or on a lot of what was going on in Impact Wrestling. Um, so I'm not I'm not surprised at all that Impact Wrestling's stock did rise. Um, this is a man who uh, I, I, I used to have this little, uh, not hobby, but uh, I was when my son was first born, I would get uh, wrestlers to sign their 8x10s. Uh, to Isaac, to Prince Isaac, um, hoping that someday uh, he would find all these eight by tens and go like, wh- why do I have all these cool eight by tens here? Like these are all these wrestlers that like uh, by that point might be old time wrestlers, but someone like Ethan is someone that will just be hitting their peak, just hitting their stride, and I I I told Ethan I said you know this is something that. Isaac is going to look at and he's going to say, holy shit, I have all ego Ethan Page, 8x10, autographed, because him and Josh Alexander, I put Josh Alexander in that category too, are just two guys that I knew were going to explode, were going to do something, and I just I, I wanted to, uh, to kind of preemptively get something for my son. Not not so much like, hey, my daddy knows this guy. It's just, hey, look, I, I've got this 8x10 of all ego Ethan Page. Ethan is, uh, again, alt, uh, just an amazing, amazing talent and amazing, amazing mind for wrestling. And I, I wasn't surprised at all. In fact, you can go back in my personal Twitter, at Announcer Terry, and you, you could see my predictions for the ladder match and for the... Um, the Hall of Fame worthy talent were right. I I got both of them bang on Ethan Page and Christian. Um, that then that was the other uh, or one of the other big news was Christian arrived. Um, I have to admit I'm a little disappointed. I was and 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 this is just like you know with what I know and in some cases in this case I don't know a whole lot, but. Christian, I was looking forward to see what him and Edge were going to do together. Not necessarily a feud, not necessarily team up, but you knew that they were going to run a parallel um, that could be revisited time and time again, and that Christian could be over there doing his thing, Edge could be over here doing his thing, and but every once in a while, you just you knew you knew that there was that connection there, so that if Edge had a problem, you you kind of knew. Christian was going to come running down vice versa if Christian had a problem you could you know you could just you could feel Edge's music about to hit um, and then you know who knows maybe they do do a feud maybe they do um, I, I don't I don't really remember them doing 
unless it was years upon years upon years ago when I kind of really left WWE, like watching it. Um, I don't remember them doing a program together, like with or, or against each other. So, you know, that would have been new to me. Um, or maybe, you know, there was going to be a term where they would team up. Now, as I said, I don't know anything. I don't know how long Christian has committed to AEW. I don't know how long Edge has committed to WWE. So, you know, maybe that'll still happen. But uh, I have to admit I'm a little bit disappointed because it looks for like for the foreseeable future that Christian is going to be AEW, Edge is going to be WWE. Uh, again, I don't know. I could be surprised. Edge could be leaving WWE after WrestleMania, and I don't know. But to, to, what, to what looks... In my headlights right now, I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that Christian uh, went over to AEW. Um, and the third thing a lot of people are talking about, I haven't seen a video. I've seen pictures of it. Uh, was the the kind of the, the, the shitty explosion that happened at the end of the pay-per-view. Uh, a lot of people were kind of disappointed. A lot of people... Uh, you know, kind of shit on it that, you know, really that's your exploding ring. Um, and then I guess, I don't, I don't know if it's Tony Khan or who it is, has uh, expressed that, oh, you know, that, that was a, a gag from Kenny Omega. You know, he built all this and he promised that this was going to explode. And all we got was like some fireworks. And I know a few people have called bullshit on that. Uh, a few people have, you know, like, you know, just a shit on it, like all just shit on it in general. But the, the thing is that anybody, 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 this is my, and again, I don't know Tony Khan. I don't know. I don't think I know anyone really high up in AEW, but my, my thinking of it is that anyone could look at that and go like, wow, that's pretty shitty. And you know that they tested this at some point at, at some point, some like either they tested it or someone who has a good amount of knowledge or a good, you know, a good history with this was going to say, yeah, this is going to happen. And then it didn't. Um, if that's the case, which I that that would be my guess. I wish someone would just come out and say, yeah, it didn't do it. It was what it was supposed to do. It, it didn't uh, it didn't go as big. It wasn't as loud. It wasn't as impressive as it was supposed to be. It happens. Everything doesn't go off perfectly. You know, there's there's hiccups, there's speed bumps, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I, I'm not angry at the fact that this, like a little a little laugh, a little levity with it, just like, okay, well, that was a little crappy, but the intention was there. I believe the intention was there. Um, whether it was cinematic and... You know, something was going to go off that you really didn't see what was going on, but you heard the loud bang. If it was going to look worse than it really was, I don't know. But I think the intention was certainly there. Good on AEW for at least trying. And you, you guys know, I'm not an AEW fan. So, you know, take that as you will. I, I still give AEW credit. The intention was there. They gave it a shot. It, it Everything doesn't come off perfectly. So everybody that's online going, oh, you know, bait and switch, and this was not their intention. I, I'm, I am like seventy five percent sure of that, and only because I don't know anybody that would really know. I just, I, I don't think that it was a bait and switch at all. I really don't. 
So those are the three uh, big things, I guess, coming out of the pay-per-view. Today, the big thing coming out of this podcast, this show, here today, the Gatriarch, Dylan McQueen. Uh, if you follow me on social media or you follow Dylan on social media, you know that this was uh, a little while in the making. Uh, we kept missing each other. Uh, there was uh, a, a couple times where we had something scheduled, um, but then like life came up. Uh, that was that was on my part, and then uh, scheduling at the last second came up for him. And then actually this one here kind of, you know, it was kind of close whether it was going to happen or not. Uh, but it did happen. And, you know, I, I, I could go into this long, great introduction uh, about how, you know, how much promise I see in Dylan McQueen and how much charisma I see in Dylan McQueen and how now I'm this huge fan of Dylan McQueen, which I truly am. And it's all true. But... And I, but I cover all that in the podcast. What I sheepishly want to address right now is I, I went back and I edited the interview, as I do with most interviews, and I took out a lot of the ums and the ahs and like the spaces, which, as on a side note, people say, like, you, you, you edit all the spaces and ums and ahs out? And I said, well, not all of them, because, like, you know, people know I'm a dummy, some, so they, they're expecting some, you know, spaces. And they said, well, you know, there's still a lot of spaces and ums and ahs. Yeah, I know. I just said I'm a dumbass and I can't take them all out. I, I take out a good amount. And seeing that's how many are left behind, yeah. Anyway, uh, so going back and editing the interview, and obviously there's stuff in there that, um, you know, Dylan and I or whoever my subject might be, we kind of get off topic and uh, I, it's stuff that I know sh sh shouldn't go out there in podcast land. So I, I, I take that out as well. So I go back and I was uh, editing this interview and I realized something. I, I, I owe Dylan McQueen a, a bit of an apology. And I feel like I owe the, the, the gay community an apology, the LGBT community, an apology, because I really like listening to this. I really overdid it. I, I overdid it in the aspect of, I was trying so hard to say, I'm cool with gay people. I'm cool with homosexuals. I'm cool with transgenders. I'm cool with, you know, anybody, which is true. It really is, but I really overdid it. it it's I, I I really listening to it. it I obviously in my day to day life, I'm not prancing down the street and going just like it's okay if you're gay. It's okay if you're gay. I'm not that. I, I don't do that, obviously. But um, in this interview, it's like a, a little over an hour, and it's it's. It's me a lot of the time saying, like, I don't give a fuck what, what your sexuality is. And I don't. But it just sounds like I'm really, really, really trying to get that point across. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I overdid it. It's um, it's, it's kind of like I, I've done it in the past with African Americans where it's I, I don't come right out and say, like, I have black friends. But I'm kind of saying, you know, between the lines, I have black friends. It's it's. 
you know, in this case, it's like, I have gay friends, but I'm not really saying I have gay friends. But if you read between the lines, I have gay friends. Um, so I, I apologize. I really do. Um, I, I want to thank Dylan for coming onto the show. Uh, it was a great chat. I really enjoyed getting to know him. And I know you're really going to enjoy getting to know the gaytriarch, Dylan McQueen. Let's, uh, let's get this going. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Oh, sweet Jesus. What the hell? <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> Not just in the flesh. What the hell is that, man? <laughs> what is it? I mean, what does it look like? The crown of all crowns for the queen of all queens. It, it is the crown of all crowns. Did, did you wear that just for me? You would like to think so, I'm sure. I would like to think so, yes. <laughs> what? What? Okay, so seriously, what is this? It is. Well, like is I don't know if you've ever seen one before, but they're actually used by royalty. They're called a crown. Okay. You wear the, it on your head. All right, crackheads, just slow down. <laughs> I know the crackhead. crown. Oh, sorry. I, I, hey, I call friends crackhead. Okay, well... Okay. Friends is a strong assumption. Okay. Well, you're the one that called me boo last week, so let's... <laughs> All right. So, but, okay, I like the crown. I, I like the whole ensemble. Don't get me wrong. The, the crown is nice, but what is there any significance to the, to the face piece? Just, you know, a little bit of flavor, a little something different. I mean, how many indie queens do we see with a little crown or a little royal little something? You know, I have to just upstage all of them. That's kind of what I do. I, I, oh, yes, I have gotten that impression about you. I certainly have. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's definitely eye catching. It's definitely intriguing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that's I, the I, whole point. I know that's the whole point, but you got this thing hanging in front of your face here and it's just kind of, it's, it's just dangling there and it's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to wear that the whole time? Maybe. 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 You, you got a lot of confidence. Like, I, I definitely. Why see not? It. Why not? No. And why not? How, how long have you been doing this? A year and a half. Year and a half. Well, motherfucker, just you, you impressed the hell out of me. Um, well, thank you. Take that for what you will. I've been doing, I've been, well, I've been involved with wrestling for 16 years. Take it what you will. Like you impressed the hell out of me. Um, not just wrestler, but just overall person. But we'll we'll get to all that. Appreciate that. Um, so yeah, like you know, you you got a lot of confidence, and uh, you know for good reason. Um, are you a night owl? Because <laughs> this is the second time we've done this kind of late. Um, I'm not, but I training at the Nightmare Factory. It's we don't get out till nine thirty, and then. It's literally like it's 10 o'clock before I ever even get home. So, oh, okay. And then you want to decompress a little bit. Yeah. Or they've got me staying later. It's just in the wrestling world, you never know. And now I know. Yeah. So, um, I, I do want to tell you one thing. My brother, uh, obviously, he follows the, the show and myself on Twitter. And uh, as I said, you called me Boo last week and then i kind of incorporated into the to the hype for this mm -hmm. and my brother because i 
I'll, I'll, I'll kind of preface by saying I'm a very simple person. And me too, if you couldn't tell. Well, <laughs> but there's a lot of terms or things that I don't know. Like, for example, um, my brother called this woman a cougar once. I had I thought just cougar was nice and sleek. girl. You don't know what a cougar is? Are no, no. I'm talking me? years ago. I'm talking years, years, years ago. Okay, okay. So I thought I thought it was like you know a nice sleek woman, and so Sweet. and this woman happened to come up to me and she's like, "So what does your brother think of me?" And I'm like, "Well, he thinks you're a cougar." And I I thought this was a big term of endearment. She she didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I think that cougar is just kind of something that. Uh, is used by women that are way, 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 way past the point of being a cougar as kind of a term to make them feel better about their prowess, or it is used by guys for a woman that is like slightly older than them. So I don't feel like the term cougar is ever appropriately used. I didn't know that until somebody smartened me up. But my brother followed me on Twitter. He got a hold of me and he's like, "Uh, dude, you do know what boo means, right? And I said, ah, of course I know what boo means. And he's like, all right, just checking, just checking. <laughs> but him he's and I, jealous. oh, well, yeah, because he, him and I were brought up uh, like, to, you know, everybody's lifestyle is everybody's lifestyle. We couldn't give a fuck. Right. Um, but just, you know, he wanted to make sure that what I was putting out there, I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't care if I'm using the word boo. Um, that's the problem with people in today's society. They're just, they're, they're so uptight about everything. And I almost feel like people are so insecure that they are constantly looking over their shoulder for the next thing to dodge anyway. So that's the best part about being a wrestler is you get to throw all that out the fucking window and use it to your advantage. Like that's my favorite part about manipulating the crowd. Even so my opponents, you know, they're just, they're so afraid to be perceived as anything other than strong, masculine man. It's like, honey, once you don't have to live by those rules and you don't have that as just the basic measuring stick of who you are, that's where the real fun begins. Well, th- that kind of brings me to, I did get a few questions for you from the fans. Has anyone ever had a problem getting in the ring with you? Um, I won't say who, but well, I did. No, have we don't some- have to name names, but... <laughs> There was this kid in West Virginia that I had to um, basically form an alliance with. And I we walked through the curtain and I just was doing my thing. And it was just so visibly uncomfortable. Like you could just tell this, this kid was just so, 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 so uncomfortable. Could not get into the, the match because he was just so thrown off and, I mean, honestly, I loved it because I'm like, you know what? Like this poor little thing has probably lived in the hills of West Virginia his whole entire life. And my gay ass just comes in and completely just flips his world upside down. And I I loved it. But for the most part, I mean, honestly, it's like when I go into the locker room, I'm like the shiny toy. You know what I mean? All the guys are like, oh, my God. It's just it's, it's a fascination for them. Yeah. So, oh. Yeah, I've, I've found that over the years, too. Although I will say, and this kind of brings me to, to the training, um, I, I can distinctly remember a gay friend of mine walking into a wrestling school and them being totally accepting 
but another yeah. gay, not a gay friend of mine, but a gay person walking into another school and them telling him to get the fuck out. Right. That's surprising so, to me. Well, yeah, exactly. Because as I said, 16 years in wrestling, everybody kind of just don't, don't give a fuck. Like, like, okay, people have their insecurities, but you know, after a, a, a day or two, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I mean, for me, uh, it was something I was worried about when I started training uh, because I didn't know. I mean, also, you have to really think about like me growing up. I I grew up in one of the mildest times that there was resistance towards homosexuality. Um, One of the mildest times. uh, And still, it was so taboo so taboo growing up and and you know people talk about oh it's trendy to be gay and it's like oh it's blah 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 this and blah that i can't tell you how many wrestlers that i've had be like oh you're because you're gay you're automatically you have you're at an advantage and i'm I'm thinking to myself like you know what like this conversation literally 10 years ago was completely different you know it was completely 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 different uh, completely looked down upon it, it. It's really been in the last, I would say, six or seven years that people have really started to come around. But oh my gosh, it was so shunned. I could have never imagined coming out in high school. I could have never imagined telling my family at a young age that I was gay. I mean, you got kids now that are like eight years old. And they're like, "Hey, bitch," and I'm yeah. like, "Damn!" Like, I wish I had been brave like that growing up, but. You know, to hear people's ignorance is astounding. So for me, it was, I was scared. Uh, What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Am I going to be beat up or hazed? Or uh, am I going to be treated differently? And honestly, I learned, I I began my career training under Dr. Tom Pritchard, one of the most old school of old school guys that there is. And I mean, he completely embraced me and just told me to be myself. And it was kind of like, you know what, if he is going to approve it, if, if, if this wrestlers, wrestlers, man's, man's old school, old school, uh, grizzled vet is going to not give a fuck, then who, who is, you know what I mean? Or who, who, who matters if, if this guy who has trained Vince McMahon, who has trained the rock, who has trained Mark Henry, Kurt Angle, some of the best this business has ever seen. If he doesn't care, who am I worried about? Well, and then you kind of, you hear stories about, you know, the, the, the term kayfabe. And one of the things, not just, you know, kayfabe, the, 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 the general kayfabe that everybody thinks about, but there were a lot of homosexuals in wrestling. It just wasn't nice. talked about. Yeah. Like everybody knew but it just wasn't talked about because it was just part of the kayfabe that was kind of, it was just kind of kept behind the curtain, but that's because everything was behind the curtain. Absolutely. So, well, you, you brought it up. Um, when did you come out? So, uh, I actually, actually, actually I'm going to bring, I'm going to back up just a little bit. So you, you, you how, when, when do you get into wrestling? Like, when do you like see wrestling and go like, Holy fuck, that's what I want to do. So actually, uh, I, it's so funny because those two actually go very hand in hand. So, um, 
when I was probably in elementary school, I got teased for being like gay or like, oh, you sound gay and uh, by people that were wrestling fans. And I would say, oh, I'm gay. Oh, you think I'm gay, but you watch men fight in underwear. That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. And I would just troll these wrestling fans over and over and over. Wrestling so dumb. I remember I was extremely uh, close with a disciplinary teacher in my school because I frequented her room. I was uh, always getting in trouble and uh, being kind of like the over the top center of attention kid in the class, surprisingly, uh, and just didn't really care about schoolwork. Didn't really care about that. I was more uh, focused on entertaining the class and being the, the source of entertainment and laughter and, um, it got me into a lot of trouble, but I remember, uh, her son and I had the same last name. So she one day was like, Hey, my son can't fit these clothes. And she brought like some shirts for me. She's like, I think a kid your age would love these. And they were all wrestling shirts. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like these gay underwear wearing savages. I don't want this. And it just kind of, for me, wrestling was like a, a big joke. Uh, it was a big, like, because I was running away from something inside of myself. So um, as ignorance typically does, it's not, usually ignorance is not quiet. It's very loud. I was completely ignorant to what professional wrestling was. So um, I tore it down any chance I got. And uh, I remember I was 12 years old and uh, I had grown up living with my grandmother and she had gotten very sick. So I had to go live with my mom, who was just a whole nother level of toxic and her extremely toxic boyfriend at the time. And one of the things that he liked was wrestling. And I remember like it was, I mean, burned into my mind. I, it, I was watching Monday Night Raw and Chris Jericho's highlight reel came on. And I was just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, who is this? This guy is not the guy that is fighting in underwear. He's not like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. or It's, it's like nothing I'd ever seen. The pageantry, the flamboyance, the just snarky. It was like everything that I was as a kid. And I was like, man, I really gravitated towards that. And from then, I was just hooked. Uh, and I didn't have like, I think maybe we had somehow, I don't know how we watched it because we didn't have a lot of cable. So I remember watching bottom line or I think, was that what it was like bottom line on like Saturday mornings or something? There was some, some kind of like recap show. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe they with, called it bottom line, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, and I saw it was uh, summer of 2004 and I saw Randy Orton he had just won the World Heavyweight Championship from Chris Benoit, who I didn't know who the hell he was. And I see Triple H come out, and he's going to hand him the belt. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Two dudes in underwear. Here's that fucking same masculine bullshit that I've seen my whole life. And Randy Orton just spits in his face. And for me, I was hooked right then. I was like, this motherfucker did not just spit in this big-ass dude's face. I have to see what happens next. And that's the great thing about entertainment and wrestling that I feel like a lot of wrestlers today don't understand. 
they want to do all their cool moves and they want to show everyone what they can do. And here's the thing. Wrestling is not universal. It's not. There's going to be people that just don't care. They don't care about wrestling. They don't care about people fighting. But if I'm on your TV and you're flipping through the channels, you're bored and you see this gay ass motherfucker going off being the most, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be like, all right, let me tune into this shit show. What the fuck's happening right here? And inter- like, so for me, entertainment is the core of wrestling. And I feel like that's people have gotten so deluded to wanting to make sure their peers like their moves and they're relevant and all this that they completely miss the stories that wrestling has and completely miss the entertainment part of it. And I feel like that is what is going to draw in a new audience, not some fucking exorcism, tope, plancha, which I mean, if you can do it, I'm not hating. That's incredible. I love that. I love that shit. But you know, after you've seen it 500 times, it's like, okay, what's next? All right. And, but in that, uh, in that uh, in that way, where where can your character go? Okay, like well, uh, let me ask you this: How close are you in front of the cur- curtain, behind the curtain? Is what you see what you get, or um, are you turned no. up a little bit, or no? So no, Dylan McQueen is a. Um, in my everyday life, I feel like I am, you know, like a people pleaser and I'm the nice guy and I'm the, the rock for everybody. And that tends to get me kind of walked on a little bit. And the cool thing about Dylan McQueen is when, when the curtain hits, like when, when my music hits and I walk through that curtain, it doesn't matter what I've been through that day. It doesn't matter who it is. Once the lights are on me, no one is going to walk over me. No one is going to push me around. Nobody's going to, I I'm that bitch. When, when the lights come on and the people are out, I'm that bitch and all bets are off. All bets are off. I don't care who your character is. I don't care what you are. What, like I know who Dylan McQueen is. And when I walk through that curtain, you better fucking be ready because if you don't meet my energy, you're going to get eaten alive. Now, I, I told you when I first reached out to you how I became a fan of yours like that. Um, I, I, but I want to tell you what happened. Me and two guys were sitting there and we're kind of doing paperwork or something. And independent wrestling TV is on in the background. And I see a gay man and um, Kenzie Page cutting a promo. The goat. Yeah. Cutting a promo. And, you know, I I admit, I looked over. I'm just like, oh, great. You know, a gay wrestler on TV. Like, I didn't give it too much thought. Right. Which kind of speaks to the level of, like, you know, I don't care if there's a gay wrestler or not. (laughs) Right. uh, Then, like, we're doing this work. And the guy who's sitting next to me, he goes, what are we watching? And I, I said, well, just watching wrestling. He goes, oh, is this old? And I said, no, why? And he goes, because Ric Flair's on here. Like a young wow. Ric Flair. <laughs> a young Ric Flair. So I'm like, what? And I looked up and I'm like, that's not Ric Flair, you idiot. And I like looked at it and I'm like, oh, that's that's the gay guy from before. So now I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, dude's pretty good in the ring. Except what I noticed was the gay guy that I saw cut the promo 
who was a little flaming. Is it okay if I use that word flaming? Oh, I'll eat it right up. I will lift it Okay, out. great. Yeah. <laughs> just some I, I used that word one time with uh with someone that was homosexual. I said flaming and they're like, Oh, you know, don't and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's I'm, why I, all right. I speak for I guess myself, but I I, I you, I you and I, you like and I that. are on a boo relationship, so I'm, I'm sure. I That's can right. Flaming. There you go. I can say flaming. flaming boo. I can handle that. There you go. So, but the, the guy in the ring is not. He's not grinding on his opponent to make him uncomfortable. He's not, you know, throwing his hand up. He's wrestling, and he's wrestling well. And he, you, yes, there are, and I've watched lots of videos because as I said, I became a fan of yours. Mm-hmm. I've watched videos where, yeah, you use some of those tactics, let's say of, you know, getting a little feely with your, with your opponent, but it's for like th- short amount of time mm-hmm. and you actually get in there and you wrestle. It's just, it's a flaming gay man that can go in there and actually kick your ass. Like it's, <laughs> and right. that's, that's what I became a fan of was because usually when you see the flaming guy cutting a promo, then he gets in the ring and he's either, you know, prancing around or, you know, he's getting you in a waist lock and feeling you up. Or when you get him in a waist lock, he's kind of grinding a little bit. And that's pretty much the whole shtick. Right. You you fucking wrestle (laughs) and wrestle well. Again, as I said, you got all all the reason in the world to be confident. So you you trained... Um. Uh. Sorry, where do you train? I trained at the JPWA with Dr. Tom Pritchard and yeah. Glenn Jacobs. Uh, they were my first two trainers, Kane, as some people know him. Yes. Uh, and I really, I guess, just learned to kind of step outside myself. Someone who I really looked up to and uh, probably has been my biggest inspiration in wrestling has been Sasha Banks. Uh, I met her very early in my career, probably like a week into training. And at the time she was just had just basically completely turned women wrestling on its head in NXT. She had just moved up to the main roster. Um, and there was something about that boss character that I was just like, man, that's a bad bitch. Like, you know, I, I want to be able to be in wrestling. I want to be able to, uh, I guess, kind of have my shot at a character, but I had no idea like who I was, what I was. Um, and I, going forward, fast forward to actually last night, I just watched her, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast and there was something that she said that it just extremely resonated in me because he was speaking to her confidence like wow you're really confident and she said you know so many people are afraid to say that they're the best and they want to be the best and you know I get discounted a lot in my career because I've been only wrestling a year and a half and that may be true but like the little kid that was going to the principal's office all the time. I may only have been wrestling for a year and a half, but I've been entertaining people for 28 years. And I don't think that there's anybody in this business that can cut a better promo than me. I'll just say that. I think that Dylan McQueen, the presence is fully realized. So I'm doing this for that little kid that was going to the principal's office that was told to turn it down his whole life. Um, And I'm going to be like, you know what? Everyone that ever wrote me off 
or ever thought I was too much or annoying, guess what, bitch? I'm going to be on your TV. I'm going to make you eat it. Every single person that ever said that I couldn't, I'm going to watch them be frustrated when they see me on TV. And when I finally found Dylan McQueen, I was, I was struggling through promos in class. And I remember Dr. Tom, when I finally, finally like tapped into Dylan McQueen at first, he was like, this is a terrible idea. This is a terrible character. This is a, and he has told me that many times. That's a terrible idea. That's terrible. That's terrible. But every time he has come back and said, you know what? Just, you know what, you, you know, your vision there's sometimes I don't see it, but you see your vision and you know it so clearly never let anyone talk you out of it. Never let anyone tell you differently about your vision because they're not going to see it until you see it. And they might not be looking for what your character is, but when they see you, they're going to want you. And I remember when I really started to harness Dylan McQueen, one day we were in practice and he said, you have no idea how good you're going to be at this. You have no idea. And I pretended like I didn't hear him because Dr. Tom does not give out compliments ever. Uh, And we had gotten in the ring at the end of practice. He was like, because I kind of know sold it. He's like, did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Like at the beginning of practice? And I lied and said, no, I didn't. He's like, I was like, what did you say? He's like, don't worry about it. Cause he doesn't want to, he never wants to like compliment you uh, and give you a big head or anything like that. But just knowing that, man that is probably the most decorated trainer this business has ever seen saw something in me it was like okay he's been to the highest level that there is if i can entertain him why can't i entertain wrestling fans they're everyday people you know the 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 hardcore wrestling fan is always going to be they're hooked they're not going anywhere they love wrestling they're always going to watch they're always going to tune in but it's the casual viewer the casual person that gets dragged to a wrestling show that doesn't want to fucking be there, that's flipping through channels at home. Those are the people that we need to try and hook. Those are the people that are going to save this business. Those are the people we need to get to invest, to grow this brand, to grow this sport because it needs that now more than ever. And those are the people that Dylan McQueen resonates with. I'm an entertainer first before I'm a wrestler. I'm an entertainer. And I'm a bitch first before I'm gay. And those are the things that I want people to know when you watch me. And am I a fucking glam ass bitch? Yeah. But when that bell rings, if you cross me, I'm going to beat your ass. And you can throw everything you want at me. I will take it and I will fucking throw it back in your face. Now, was that by design? As I was saying, like all all the showmanship coming out and then just not so much just kind of changing that gear in the ring is that by design or so i mean when i started being dylan mccoy the showmanship has been from birth okay i mean that's just i i wasn't the bitch that dylan mcqueen is but i've always been the kind of like here i am like at center of attention like i've always craved that attention as long as i've lived i've always waited for the the next word to come out of someone's mouth to turn it into a punchline to turn it into a, a, a spotlight for myself that it was just as a kid I didn't really have a lot and I felt like turning the spotlight on me and, and turning it into a situation where I was praised by others was a chance to take my mind off of the bad things that were going on in my life and 
that gets old quick in real life. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would sit back and watch film of Dr. Tom and uh, watching us in the, the, the ring working together and watching practices. And after like five or six of these like one liners, you're just like, it's like, oh my God, like how have you not killed me yet? Like <laughs> I get annoyed by myself, but <laughs> like in the wrestling world, that's what they want. That's what they crave. Like that kind of persona is something that's always like, I pride myself. Like if you ever want to get into a Twitter argument with me, if you ever want to get in a promo war, you're never going to win. You can never out talk me. You're never going to be in a situation where you're going to, cause I won't stop. Hold on. You mean like you look like you belong on an Amber alert. <laughs> I saw that and I could not stop laughing. And I wrote that down as I got to ask him about that. <laughs> that, that, that kind of reminds me of one where a guy once said to me, well, you sound like a really nice guy. And my retort was, you sound like you can't go out in public without a chaperone. Like <laughs> exactly the, the cut. And, and you know, uh comedy is uh, something i draw a lot of inspiration from because comedy is a powerful form of entertainment that is universal it doesn't matter who you are everyone likes to laugh uh and and one thing i was always taught in comedy was you build someone up you set the stage and then you rip the rug out from under them and that's that is wrestling that's a promo that's you know it, it it's building that anticipation and then completely doing something completely different and and cutting things like that man that gets people's attention you know donnie janella oh my goodness me and him have been in a a a massive twitter feud um he thinks he can just you know team with show d and all of a sudden he gets a shot at the undefeated new south undefeated tag team champions might i add uh and thought he was just gonna start a little twitter beef with me and i'm like oh little sweetheart like it's not going to happen like that. I'm not just going to be the little gay boy that you think you're just going to be able to out masculine, honey. No, like I'm going to come for you with daggers and knives and you're not going to (laughs) win. Well, you've mentioned a few times about, you know, sticking it in the face of, you know, some of the people you grew up and everything with. And it reminds me that for the most part, I've made a career, I guess, at a ring announcing. And growing up, uh, being Canadian, I guess, and being from Ontario, I grew up with a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans. And a lot of guys who played hockey, I never played hockey, but a lot of guys who played hockey says, I'm going I'm to play for the Maple Leafs. I'm going to play for the Maple Leafs. I'm going to play for the Maple Leafs. And they used to look at me. And, and this actually, <laughs> they would look at me and they'd say, you're a wrestling fan? And they'd be like, those guys are gay. And... I remember I, I said to someone, I wish I could remember who, because I would love to throw it back in his face. But they said, you know, those guys are gay. Like, okay, well, they're gay. I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> but people used to always, oh, you're a wrestling fan, you're a wrestling fan, you're a wrestling fan, you're a wrestling fan. And they used to, you know, put me down for it. And then about six or seven years ago, I worked for Ring of Honor at the old Maple Leafs Garden. And I did, uh, I hosted their uh, meet and greet. And in the moment, I remember thinking, I grew up with all these guys who bullied me because I was the fat kid too. And all these guys that bullied me and said that they were going to play in Maple Leaf Gardens. Not one of them 
got to Maple Leaf Gardens, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> a wrestling fan. A wrestling and, fan. And I got to Maple Leaf Gardens, but they didn't. <laughs> and I mean, that leads to, I feel like, a conversation that is just so under talked about. Wrestling is the most, and I truly believe this with all my heart. It is the most misunderstood art form that people have the strongest opinions about. For sure. Because, I mean, I have, there's so many people that are like, oh, oh, oh wrestling is so stupid. I can't believe I, it's so fake. It's fake. How could you enjoy that? Well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but do you ever watch uh, these things called movies? Mm-hmm. Or uh, is Harry Potter like a true story? Do you enjoy that? You know, it's it, the hypocrisy. So much of today's society, when completely faced with the hypocrisy that they live in, they just completely are so desensitized to it that they completely write it off. So my goal is to make wrestling universal. I want it to be something that no matter who you are, you can enjoy it. I want it to be something that no matter what your flavor of ice cream is, when you turn on whatever medium that you're watching wrestling and you see me, I want you to be entertained. I don't want there to be a cap. If there's uh, some homophobe that turns on wrestling, I want him to be like, I I want to see that queer get his ass beat. Or if there's some pride fighter that is says I love equality. I want them to see an LGBT plus member of society living their best life. You know, I think that ignorance doesn't necessarily damn people forever. uh, But there is a lot of ignorance in this country and there's a lot of ignorance in the world. And I can't tell you how powerful wrestling has been for that. I, I have been called, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but faggot i've been called faggot i've been called queer i've been called i mean almost at every show that i've ever been to on such a consistent basis um but one of the most powerful things about my wrestling is i have watched fans hate me like want to see me hurt i've seen fans meet me at my car groups of fans like me wait be waiting for me at my car um, threatened my life. Uh, and then months of exposure over and over seeing me changed their opinion. There was one lady that called me a faggot every show that I went to. Every single show that I went to, she called me a faggot. Anytime I would go near her, she said, get away from me, faggot. I don't want you around me. And Uh, probably six months ago, I had her daughter come up to my table and say, my mom would like a picture with you, but she's embarrassed to say anything to you because of the things that she said. And that to me, it was just like, wait a minute, this isn't about wrestling anymore. Like I, I literally was able to change someone's perception through my art. And that is probably the most powerful thing that wrestling has ever done for me. You know, it, it, when I was able to embrace Dylan McQueen, uh, it really helped me be more of myself, which is completely unrelated to the character, but it added like confidence to my everyday life and understanding for other people and the things that they're going through 
And I just, I mean, I can't say enough how powerful wrestling is when used under certain circumstances that maybe, I don't know, maybe that's something that a, a performer that doesn't have my previous disposition would not experience. You know, if you're just some like cis white dude that does Pele kicks and doesn't really have a character, maybe you're just going to go out there and entertain them and the, the way that they're used to seeing. But for me, something to get to change someone's perspective. So powerful. You, you mentioned about how you could either be the guy who, fans are like, oh, I want to see that faggot getting his ass kicked. But you could also be an inspiration to, you know, the gay community. Right now, you're, are you a heel across the board? Um, yeah, I am. And that's by choice. So, because... but, is, but is there any kind of desire or maybe plans in the future of at some time, at some point, I'm going to pick up the gauntlet here and I'm going to represent this community and represent it proudly. Not that you're not proud you know, right. character you are, but kind of, you know, flipping the switch a little bit and just kind of inspiring that community. Is there, is there a thought of that or? I mean, here's my thing. If it happens organically, sure. But I'm not going to do it for the sake of doing it. I'm not going to do it for the sake of just like, here I am, the, the champion of the gays or like, well, no, I'm not saying the champion of the gays, but maybe there's a part of you, the real you that says, you know, one of these days I'm going to just, I'm going to represent this. I think honestly, even being a heel, I already do that because there's so, I mean, you don't have to be a baby face to do that. I, there's a lot of people that see me see the strength that I have standing in the face in this masculine sport in the face of my opponents who society deems as normal and getting in their fucking face and showing that I'm not scared and showing that I'm strong and showing that I don't care what they say or do. I'm going to beat their ass. And they see that strength. And it's like that never kind of back down mentality. It's like a pit bull. Like, like I will yap in your face until you maybe try to shut my mouth but the second you turn your back i'm gonna fucking round on you and you're gonna be at my mercy and i think you know i so many so many kids that are lgbt have come up to me and been like wow are you aren't you afraid of you know being that way of of retaliation aren't you afraid when the crowd says these horrible things about you i'm like no because i'll kick their ass and to be an alternative of strength as opposed to just like let's settle this let's let's be polite and wait for the 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 right side of history to be like no bitch you're not gonna fucking talk to my gay ass like that ho i'll put you out like in modern day, almost a lot of times, the heel is actually the real life baby face. You know, it's also, you know, the distorted uh, perception of doing the right thing. And I feel like I've gotten that message through being the bad guy because I'm in control when I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And another thing, like, I'm not going to say I've, I've, I've never seen you kind of break out of it just for just a second. But for the most part, from beginning to end, from the moment you walk out the curtain to the moment you walk back out, you're, you're in it. 
And that in itself talks to your confidence. Even if someone's sitting there going like, faggot, faggot, and it, it doesn't even phase you. And that, you know, speaks to your strength. But I, I see what you're talking about, where even as a heel, like you can be like if, if someone like if a fellow wrestler or someone's like in the ring says, well, you're a faggot. Yeah, well, I can kick your ass like <laughs> and like because because sometimes you do see heels, they'll, they'll kind of take that that jump over into the baby face line, but then they'll bounce back. So they'll be kind of just like if, if another heel says like, well, you know, I don't I don't want to team with the faggot. Well, this faggot will kick your ass, and then that kind of gets a pop, and then you just kind of go like, "Yeah, but I still don't like all you people." Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, but you were talking about how some people have walked up to you. Has has anyone ever walked up to you and said how much they appreciate your strength? Uh, yeah, I get it. I, I, honestly, I do get it a lot. I get um, the the crazy thing is uh, a lot of times it's parents of like that have gay kids that are just like, holy shit. Like that's, it's crazy to see you. Cause I wrestle a lot in the South. So mm -hmm. I, I, it's not as much of a problem up North or like I have wrestled in Canada and it's uh, some parts of Canada are like the South, which is so fucking weird when you go that far North and you see these fucking hillbillies in Canada and you're like, wait a minute. Really? Like uh, where? Well, uh, so we went to like, medicine hat uh oh, okay. yeah um uh squamish uh there was some like pretty pretty redneck people i won't say what promotion i worked for uh but there were some towns that we hit where it was kind of like <laughs> no actually okay. now that you say that yeah like you get into alberta and i i'm proud canadian but yeah you get into alberta where the men are men you know it's, yeah, yeah i could yeah. kind of see that just yeah <laughs> okay so but yeah so you you get you you do get regarded as like you know so people walk up and say like they they appreciate your strength yeah um and an another story that was like super super like touching to me was i had a lady come up and talk about how her her kid was not at the show because they refused to talk to her because she was very uh, religious and conservative. And when they came out, she completely shunned them, completely, like, almost, I guess, disowned them. Uh, and once she saw the error of her ways, her kid still didn't want anything to do with her because they had remembered what she had done to them. And seeing me wrestle and perform and get a reaction out of the people and just seeing me living my authentic self something Whoopi goldberg said that really 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 stuck with me and i i take with me everywhere i go dylan mcqueen is not about being a heel or a baby face dylan mcqueen is about having fun mm -hmm. i have fun being dylan mcqueen and Whoopi goldberg said when people see you having fun they want to go wherever you are and that was so powerful to me so when people see me in my act living my best fucking life they want a piece of that. They want a part of that in their life because let's be honest, it's fucking 2020, 2021 is fucking depressing. Like modern day, there's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of reason to be sad. And if I can suck you out of that and make you completely for 
10 to 20 minutes make you forget about all your fucking problems and see the shit show unravel, then that's what I'm going to do. But to be able to, to really see whether you're a good guy or bad guy, people want to feel something. So whether they love me or they hate me, they want to react to me. Very, 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 very rarely have I ever come out and people just not wanting to react because it resonates with something inside of you, whether you like it or you don't, I'm, I'm here to get your emotion. And at the end of the day, when I walk back through that curtain, I'm like, gotcha, bitch, whether you hated me or not, I got you to react. And that's probably more than you could fucking do. If you, you know, not saying you, but that's probably more than anyone could do if they fucking walk out of a curtain. Oh yeah. What are people going to think about them? Yeah. It's definitely something that you, you immediately jump to one side or the other. Um, You spoke earlier uh, when you went to, uh, or you, you lived with the mom who there was a toxic situation and then the boyfriend that was even more toxic. Were you out by this point? I, I don't remember how old you said you were when you moved in with. No, actually. Um, I, so I didn't, uh, I didn't come out till I was like 20 years old. I told like my mom, uh, when I was 16 years old, she kind of knew like my whole life. Um, and then she got brain cancer when I was 16 and just, I mean, her, her mind slowly deteriorated until she passed away. But before uh, she passed, she had never told anybody what I'd said. So it was almost like I came out to her. And then when she died, it was almost like I was back in the closet. And it was like a whole nother, like, did I do the right thing? Did I, should I have done that? Um, So it was like a re coming out phase that I had to go through to summon that strength back up. Um, But in the toxic boyfriend situation at the time, uh, her boyfriend was extremely abusive, extremely toxic. Um, And it's such a weird dynamic because he made my life a living hell with the abuse that he put us through. Like, sold all my stuff for drugs, threatened my life, threatened my mom's life. Uh, I mean, a sadistic, violent person. Um, and without him, I wouldn't have never been exposed to wrestling. So it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic. And even weirder is once I got out of training, uh, the very first show that I worked at, he was a security guard for. So... It was like, what is my life? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that like coming out is probably the hardest thing that anybody can do, um, especially in, in a masculine sport like wrestling. But nowadays it's not such a, it's not such a big deal, I don't think. And I think that as time goes on, it's not as big of a deal, but I am happy that people love seeing the LGBT community uh, lifted up and they love seeing um, wrestlers that are fucking entertaining. Let's just be honest. Gay people are entertaining as fuck. Like, Oh, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I hope this doesn't sound ignorant. I love hanging out with gay people. <laughs> I no, really it doesn't do. sound ignorant at all. And I love hanging it with flaming gay people. Because uh, you just never know what the fuck you're going to get. Exactly. 
Um, I used to work in a bar uh, door, doing doorman, and one of the customers, she was a lesbian, and I got to know her, and then this is in the Ottawa area, and she says, uh, she comes in one night, and uh, she says, what are you doing tomorrow night? And I said, I'm off. She said, okay, we're going to Icons. Icons was the local gay bar. And I said, why do you want me to go to Icons? And she's like, because I think you would have a blast. And I'm like, okay, because I, I didn't know what to expect. I just thought it was where gay people went to meet and to socialize without having to worry about people, you know, hating on them. So I, I didn't really think, like, what's it's a bar with gay people. Like, right. I, I don't know what I'm going to. So I walk in there and it's like carnival. Like, it's. <laughs> Like, at least this particular one, because I found out that they're not all like this. But, um, yeah, I walked in there and there were princesses and there were like just and colorful and all this stuff. And I absolutely loved it. Right. And, um, I think her name was Amanda. This is years ago. And she comes to me. She's like, OK, we have to get downstairs. And I'm like, what's downstairs? And she goes, the show's going to start. And I'm like, there's a show. Right. <laughs> so she takes me downstairs and there's um, it's a cross dressing show. And these guys go out dressed. And <laughs> I've always loved men or admired men. I don't know how I want to say it, that if I looked at like damn, that's a hot looking woman, even though I know it's a man like, <laughs> um, but it's these men dressed as women. They go out, they lip sync a song and drag then, queens. Let's say, yeah, drag queens. And then they do like a little comedy thing. Mm -hmm. And so the first one comes out and he sings his little song. And then after it, he's talking and he says, so is anybody straight? And Amanda says, he's straight. And so he, he looks at me and he goes, oh, you're straight? And I said, yes. And he goes, are you single? I said, yes. So, and he said, Leslie, who was the, the stage manager, is like, Leslie, I found a straight one for you. And so I'm like, hi, Leslie. And so the, the show goes on. I'm just sitting there dancing. I'm having a great time. Mm -hmm. At the end of the show, there's like six of them. They're going to do a group number. And the, the music's playing, and I'm dancing away. And the first one, the, the one that first came up first, he gets off the stage, and he pulls me up on stage. And so all five or six of them stand behind me, and they stand me in front of them. And I'm just like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> right. So I turn around to say, like, okay, what do you want me to do? And then somebody grabs me, and I thought it was one of the, the performers. <laughs> And I thought, like, okay, like, you know, this is a little over the top. I found out it was uh, Leslie, the stage manager. <laughs> and, like, she actually wanted to meet me. And we actually did go out a couple times. Oh, well, awesome. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It didn't really work. But I, I just, that, I just, uh, that was probably one of the greatest nights I ever had. That's and, awesome. Like, and, like, when people found out I was straight in that environment, I remember them kind of like Amanda vouched for me and like things just changed when they found out that like, you know, Amanda vouched for me, like, okay, this guy must be cool. And then I got to know all these people and you could just see the comfort level just rise. And it was one of the greatest nights I ever had. <laughs>
Well, and you know, uh, back to gay people are entertaining as fuck. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's like a science. It's not that like, oh, we're just bred or we're just, it's in our DNA to be entertaining, but it's like, we've had to deal with so many situations growing up, so many things. Like I, I use comedy as my coping mechanism. It was my, if I could keep you laughing, I could keep you not wondering if I was gay. Mm-hmm. If, if you could think of me as the funny guy, you would say, oh, he's the funny guy, not the guy with the feminine voice that could be gay. So I feel like we've used it as a coping mechanism or even like a cloak for so long that it, it just is second nature. It, it just becomes so ingrained in your personality. And, and you, ha- you have to ask yourself so many different questions when you're facing prejudice that uh, someone that is a straight white male or a you know a straight white woman which i mean women go through their their own tribulations that are immense that are just fucking ridiculous anyway Mm -hmm. because just because they're being born a woman but like when you have to think of all these scenarios and go through all these prejudices and learn to like kind of hide yourself you become so much more aware of everything around you whereas someone who didn't have to deal with that wouldn't become aware of that wouldn't become attuned with certain things. So I think that when they, when you get to be in that situation, when I first got to go to gay bars and stuff, I was, it was shell shot for me. I was like, Oh my gosh, these people are fucking crazy over the top. What the fuck is going on? And then once I was able to shed my skin and just relax and just have fun and be myself without re- retaliation, that's when I really started coming into who I was. And the cool thing about Dylan McQueen is when you remove a magical thing happens in wrestling when you remove the possibility of someone coming up and just decking you in the fucking face for what you're about to say so when you know that you can say anything in the fucking world that you want to say and the person across the ring is not going to come up and shoot knock your teeth down your throat it's incredible it really like there's nothing like it i can say anything in that ring for the most part, and Dylan in real life doesn't have to answer for it. And so I think it's just, it really has helped me become uh, a better man, a better person, a better performer, a better everything, Uh, accepting who I was as a gay man, accepting who I was inside Um, and then turning that all the way up. And I really do believe that I can use that to influence my way to whatever company I want to be for. If I'm willing to work my fucking ass off, I really believe if you work your ass off and you're talented and you believe in yourself, you can have whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, God willing that, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter sexual orientation. And like you talked about eliminating like the, the poison. Um, I worked for a call center and I, I hope, you know, that none of these stories are me trying to like, I'm okay with gay people. No, no. <laughs> but I worked for a call center and there was this, this guy named Adam Mann, And I always found Adam very feminine. Didn't really bother me. But one day, uh, every once in a while, he would jump into our carpool. And as we're walking out, he said, uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm going on vacation for a couple of weeks. I said, oh, okay, cool. And like, there's two other guys that are in the carpool. 
And he says, yeah, I'm going to Phoenix for uh, this rally for people in transition. And I said, oh, that's cool. And he goes, yeah, it's something that I, I strongly believe in. I said, wonderful. And he goes, yeah, because I'm in transition. And I'm like, oh, good for you. Like, I didn't know how to react. But I said, oh, good for you. And he goes, I've always wanted to tell you guys that because, like, we had gotten, you know, friendly and close. Right. And, and so, like, we get in the car and there's me, a gentleman by the name of Russ, and I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to shit on him in a second. And, uh, and Adam. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys are cool with it. I said, yeah, I'm cool with it. I said, can I ask questions? And he's like, sure. And I said, all right. So what was your name before? And like, he, and he's like, well, you know, that's a former person and we don't talk. I'm like, okay. And I kept asking questions. Right. Well, the one guy that I, I'm shitting on, it's just like, do we really have to talk about this? And like, it was quiet in the car for a couple seconds. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Like, <laughs> like right. I, I have questions. And he got all agitated. So the next day I called shithead and I said, you know, you can find your own way into work. I said, all I've thought about is how much of a shithead you were last night. And then went to Adam and I said, listen, you're welcome to come into the, cause he thought because shithead didn't like it, that he wasn't welcome with us. I said, no, no, no. I kicked out shithead. Like, you know, you're welcome in our car anytime you want. And I just, I can't stand people that are like poison like that and just, just can't let people be who they are. Mm -hmm. like, I agree. I, I, I mean, I, I a thousand percent agree with that. It's, it's just like the worst part about prejudice towards uh, like LGBT uh, community is we already spend our whole fucking life destroying ourselves for being different. We already spend our whole life terrified of being judged for our existence, denying it, hating ourselves, shaming ourselves. And it's like, if we're able to overcome that and talk about it and, and we're able to get past that and then you feel like you have a right to fucking do it to us. Like who the mm -hmm. fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Like it's, it's, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's the worst thing that you can do to somebody. However, inversely, um, I also think as rampant as cancel culture is nowadays, uh, which I mean, some people fucking deserve to be canceled. They do fucking horrendous, horrible things. Yeah. You should fucking be canceled and you should never have a chance at fucking redemption, depending on what you do. But also there's people that are out there that are genuinely fucking ignorant. And that the word ignorant is such a buzzword because when you call someone ignorant, we've conditioned ourselves to think bad, stupid, dumb, uh, unintelligent. And that's not what ignorant is. I feel like maybe it's 2021 now. So a lot of people are more opened up. But when I first came out, I had no idea what all the terms that were acceptable, appropriate. I only learned those because I was active in the LGBT community. And I think that people that do have questions or people that don't understand or whatever, you know, for me personally, I'll never speak for anybody else. Um, but for me personally, I like to give people uh, that question me or question things about me the opportunity to learn. And I think that me personally, my problem with cancel culture is it people don't get the chance to learn. They don't get the chance to be like, I fucked up. I'm so sorry. I, 
you know, it's like, what do you do? Do you, do you, oh, you're wrong, throw them to the guillotine, chop their head off, move on to the next one? It's like, I love people getting to have those full circle moments of someone calling me a faggot and coming to my wrestling shows over and over and slowly over time changing their opinion and changing their perception because maybe they can go out and change someone else's perception. And there's other people that are like, kill them, they're done. Like, and if they want to think that way, that's perfectly fine. But for me, radical love changed my life when people began to radically love me it really changed me as a person and i like to extend that grace to everyone that i can um you probably won't see it if i'm in gimmick at a wrestling show because you can come up to my table and ask for a picture with me and i'm like give me show me the money you're not getting anything for free and you might think i'm a fucking asshole but when you see me in everyday life. When I meet people, I'm all about empowering, educating. Um, and I mean, this, this shit is hard enough. Just fucking waking up and breathing and making it to going to sleep and getting back out of bed the next day. That shit is hard enough. It's fucking hard. There's some people it's harder for than others. Can we not just like give each other a fucking break and like try to, I don't know, make the world a happy place. I don't know. That may sound fucking stupid, but I believe you can. Yeah. Well, I've, as I said, like I've always been a firm believer. Just let the only person you have to worry about is yourself. So, and everybody lives their lives. Like I've always said, if a man walks up to me in a bar and says, Hey, can I buy you a drink? And I look, I'm sorry, dude, that's not my lifestyle. Like and they, Oh, sorry, dude. You know, like, okay. Yeah. But uh, but what I find funny is I've always said that if a guy walks up to me and asks me to buy me a drink and I say, sorry, it's not my lifestyle, they'll like, oh, sorry, and they'll walk away. But if a guy walks up to a woman and says, hey, can I buy you a drink? And they say, like, no, thank you. The guy persists. And he's just so I'd rather be a guy being hit on by a guy than a woman being hit on by a guy, just to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, um, first of all, you can a guy can buy you. This is what you do. You say, hey. Yeah, sure. I'll take you. I'll take the drink, but just so you know, I'm not. But bitch, get your fucking drink first. Get get your All fucking right, drink. Okay, well, get your fucking drink. I'm 43. It hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's gonna happen now. So let's. <laughs> but who knows? Actually, I asked um, a friend of mine, or a, a friend of mine brought a friend of his. We were going to the zoo. We were taking my son to the zoo, and my friend came or brought his wife and brought his friend Isaac. And Isaac is flaming gay. I love Isaac to death. And but it was the first time I ever met him. And um, I had no idea he was he was gay. But I found out that he had broken up with his partner, and that's what I was told. Okay, broke up, and but I just heard, okay, he broke up with his partner. And then I found out that he and like once I realized like, OK, this guy's flaming gay. And I and I, I called him or I didn't call him on it, but I said, you're gay, aren't you? And he's just like, yeah, I'm like, I love you. And then he's on his phone. And I said to him, like, you better not be like, you know, texting that fucker because like, he was depressed. And I'm like, you right. better not be texting that fucker. And he's like, no, I'm on Grinder." And I said, what's Grinder?" again? I'm 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 clear. God bless you. That's so, a question you should have never asked. Well, I said, "What's Grinder?" So he he says, "Well, you know Tinder." I said, "Yeah," and he goes, "Well, Grinder's the stuff the the site for us." And I'm like, "Really?" So he showed me Grinder, and he's showing me that you know that oh, there's Lord. 
Oh yeah. And he's showing me pictures and he's showing me there's a guy like a hundred yards away that wants to hook up behind a concession stand where the panda cage is. And Oh my Lord. Poor animals. (laughs) So I, I asked him, I said, you know, Isaac, let me ask you a question. I said, if I understand correctly, bigger men who have hair and everything, they're called bears. And he said, yeah. I said, am I a bear? And he goes, no, I'm sorry, sweetie. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you just don't quite fit the bear community. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> in, in the words of one Effie, twink is a mindset. So, you know what? <laughs> if you want to be a bear, you just live your fucking best bear life. You can be a straight bear. You can, you can be whatever the fuck you want. And that's what I was going to say about, you know, taking a drink. If a girl came up to me at a bar, I would be like, bitch, yes, buy me a fucking drink. I'm not going to sleep with you, but bitch, give me that fucking drink. I, I, I'm not going to want to kiss you after the drink. I'm not going to want to go to your place after the drink. But if you fucking want to comment on my vanity or you see me from across the room and think, oh, that bitch is cute or something, bitch, give me that fucking drink and we'll toast to that. And that's all it'll be. But fuck, like, it. I mean it's the world we live in like i just feel like people are so they're so uh it goes back to wrestling i've literally had uh, there was a guy that i trained with and he was the uber masculine just the most macho guy you could ever meet he was so big his muscles were so big and he was so afraid of looking silly in his matches he never he always wanted to be serious who the fuck wants to see that unless you're brock lesnar or unless you're Braun Strowman or some massive like, and even at times they've looked ridiculous, but people are so afraid to just let their guard down and just chill. It's astounding to me. You know what I mean? It's just like, just stop giving a fuck about what people think. Yeah. Take the drink, you fucking bear. All right. <laughs> Again, I don't know if it's ever going to happen from um, 43. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> Are you trying to say that no one's ever offered you a drink? No, I don't think anyone's ever offered me a drink. Well, I, okay. No, no, no. Hold on. Like, I'm okay. Someone's offered me a drink, but I don't think it was a, hey, you want a drink? I think it was just like, hey, can I buy you a drink? Like, you know, just the guys. Okay, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think I don't think. No, I don't think. Listen, in the South, they'd buy you a fucking drink. The queers would buy you a fucking drink if you came to the gay bar. They'd buy you a fucking drink. If I ever end up in the South, you know, I'll I'll find you. I'll take you you to the fucking bar, and you take me. You take me out, and yeah, I'll get a drink. We'll make sure that someone (laughs) offers you a no strings attached drink with zero intention. Deal. <laughs> All right, Dylan. Uh, I, I appreciate everything. I appreciate uh, this yeah, entire conversation. It was great to finally meet you. And as I said, I'm a huge fan. And again, Thank take you. it for what it's will for what you will. You have all the reason to have confidence in yourself. I can't believe a year and a half. Like, geez, like you have all the reason to have all the confidence. And uh, I wish you the Thank best you. of luck. And I'm I'm gonna. I'm definitely going to see you on my TV sooner than later. That's all I was waiting to hear. You sure will. I claim that you'll be right. seeing me soon. All right. You take care of yourself and uh, we'll, we'll cross paths again. I'm sure. Thank you. Oh, so much to Dylan McQueen 
for coming on to the show this week. Uh, again, I, I became a huge, huge fan of Dylan McQueen. He is someone that uh, I'm I'm going to follow, not just on social media, not just uh, you know on uh, on the internet, but you know j- just like I was talking about Ethan Page earlier. I just I see it. I see something in Dylan McQueen that is just so special that it just radiates off of him. And I it just you, you can't help but bet on this guy. Or at least I can't help but bet on this guy. And when that does happen, I am going to follow him and I am going to support him. And hopefully when uh when that happens, he doesn't forget the uh the little podcast that uh that he was on and uh it's just like those 8x10s that I get all the wrestlers to sign. You know, someday Prince Isaac is going to be looking back at the uh, the past episodes of this podcast and going, holy shit, you had Dylan McQueen on your podcast? Yes, son, I did. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, for hitting that play button once again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, I, I love the new networks that we're on. And as I said, I am, you know, reaching a whole new audience, uh, a much broader audience, a much bigger audience. And uh, it's very humbling that uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the the comments and the well wishes and uh, the appreciation that people have been showing me. I, uh, I, I'm loving every, every, every second of it. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, it is at Time to Fight Pod. Uh, obviously, I already said that was on Twitter, didn't I? Yes, I already did say that. But uh, I personally am at Announcer Terry. That, again, is on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me uh, personally on Facebook, my name is Matthew Terry. The thumbnail is a cartoon picture of me. Um, uh, well, it, yeah, it's a caricature of me, uh, with a police officer in the background. Don't ask. Um, if you want to follow the show, it's on Facebook as well. That's, uh, obviously it's time to fight. Uh, links to all of this will be in the description of this podcast. Just a reminder that April 9th, 2021 live we are going to be doing a very special head versus heart episode where uh, we bet with our head we bet with our heart and either way we all win and we enjoy the show that of course is for wrestlemania 37 got some special guests uh in the fire no i don't have them in the fire i i have uh i have some possibilities i have some uh i have some irons in the fire oh that that really doesn't go along with how i open this podcast uh you get it. I, I have some special guests that are kind of humming and hawing about coming onto the show. And uh, so be sure to check that out. That's going to be live on our Facebook page, Facebook Live. We are going to have, uh, I'm going to have a few guests on here to do Head versus Heart. That's going to be April 9th at 7 p.m. again on our Facebook page. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. I will see you all next week when uh, things get a little bit dangerous here on the show. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. We're not as dumb as wrestling fans are not as dumb as people make us out to be. I bet if you really sat and thought about it, you could figure it out. Until then, Isaac, I love you, buddy. I love it too.